three on the way. Good! And Garland spins down the lane and laid it in. This crowd has awakened. Welcome to Fear the Fro, a podcast covering the Cleveland Cavaliers and the NBA with the voice of Fox Sports Radio. Figure out a way to stop it. Listen and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Here it is, my favorite show. And now, your host. His name is Bob Schmidt. Welcome to the Fear the Fro podcast. Bob Schmidt, your lifelong Cavs fan host, here after yet another victory, the Cavaliers record. Up to 15-8, and eight, sitting just one game behind the Milwaukee Bucks, who shortly, moments after the Cavaliers hammered the final nail in the Magic's coffin, fell to LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, and the LA Lakers, playing an inspired game, a 133-129 victory. Anthony Davis with 44 points and doing the work for the Cavaliers because after tonight, we have witnessed yet again another home victory. There is a decided home court advantage for these Cleveland Cavaliers and anything we can do to give ourselves the chance to get an extra game at home needs to be done. This is the month to make it happen. Now the Boston Celtics, who fell tonight in overtime despite Jalen Brown's heroics, they lost at the end of the game to an inspired effort from Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. So the Heat also helping the Cleveland Cavaliers. Just a perfect night. All around. Donovan Mitchell, incredibly dominant, incredibly efficient. Evan Mobley, increasing his averages over the last four games to 18 points, 12 rebounds, 70% shooting from the floor. He was all over the place tonight. 19 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, a couple blocks, a steal, and only took 10 shots, made nine of them. Just brilliant. Even made his three point shot. So, a great night to be a Cavalier fan and a great start to this string of games where the Cavaliers could see quite a run of success. Next up, we get the Cavaliers in New York City, coming off a night where Donovan Mitchell put on an absolute show, and the Knicks faithful, if they see the highlights, they're going to be reeling. Donovan Mitchell, 12 of 21 tonight, 34 points, 7 for 11 from the three-point line, 64% from three. 57% from the floor. He did have five turnovers, led the team in that capacity. But the damage he did in scoring 16 points in the first quarter, and then I believe 13 points in quarter three in opening up a 20-point lead for the Cleveland Cavaliers, which effectively ended it. So 29 points out of his 34 points in quarters one and quarters three. He sat most of the time in the second quarter. Fourth quarter, we didn't really need him. Yes, we took our foot off the gas slightly. They made a bit of a run, but they didn't get it too close. And we held them off. We put the guys back in, start to finish in the fourth quarter from Evan Mobley, as that was nice to see. Because one of the things that was frustrating about the previous night was that Evan Mobley was humming along and we simply didn't need him because the game was essentially getting pretty difficult for anyone to come back on the Cavs. And so he got shut down in the fourth. But tonight in the fourth quarter, He got to pad his stats to the tune of seven points and three rebounds. Perfect from the field. Great performance from him, and he is thriving. I was taking a look where Evan Mobley sits over the course of these last four games amongst the sophomores. Evan, and this was a bit surprising. For those of you who haven't been paying attention, Trey Murphy III for the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that did God's work in pummeling the Toronto Raptors the other night, is averaging 22 points a game over his last four games. 
on impressive splits, 50% from the floor, shooting over 90% from the line. So, And another man who is no stranger to Cavalier hate Twitter, which is Alperin Shengun down in Houston, in his final three games, although the team has been losing, he has been putting up very similar numbers to our Evan Mobley, 19 points, 12 rebounds, just on slightly less efficient shooting. So Evan Mobley, 18 points, 12 boards, two assists, and the only second-year player with a defensive rating under 100. Just 99.6 over this four-game stretch. A net rating second only to Jeremiah Robinson Earl in that span of time. And a true shooting percentage second only to Austin Reeves, who has been on a tear himself in Los Angeles, who we will see next week against a now-thriving L.A. Lakers team, who is perhaps not the pushover that I might have flippantly described them as last podcast. I do regret that. Sometimes I listen back to the pod after I record it, because as you can tell, I just kind of shoot from the hip much of the time. In stepping back, it's certainly not going to be a pushover for the Cleveland Cavaliers, as the Lakers have managed to win seven of their last 10, and they're climbing back into the playoff picture hunt in a West that is very stacked top to bottom. A lot of 500 teams, including the Warriors, the Portland Trailblazers, the Utah Jazz sitting at 13 and 11 after an incredible early season start, the Sacramento Kings 11 and 9. It is a glut of teams playing around 500 basketball in the West. The fact that everybody's clumped that closely means you string together a few wins and you could leapfrog five or six teams. I don't know that we're going to get the kind of third quarter decimation of the Lakers we saw in the last game, but with a 10 and 1 home record, the chances of the Cavs being able to take two straight victories against the Laker team that had pummeled them for the last several matchups with LeBron, I like our chances there. So to bring it back to Evan Mobley, his recent surge has basically rendered the argument that he has taken a step backwards irrelevant because his numbers are identical, essentially. 15 points, 9 rebounds, 2 assists. Last season, 15 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists. The large difference being the advanced metrics and the efficiency. He is better across the board. Nearly a 5% leap in true shooting percentage. But here's the other thing. While playing the same amount of minutes, roughly 34 minutes a game, that he did last season, the key difference is he's producing all these counting numbers, as identical as they may be, with the insertion of one of the league's top six scores. And another massive night from Donovan Mitchell tonight where he took nearly 25 shots, scored 34 points, and Evan Mobley has found a way to contribute despite adding one more rung on the scoring ladder above him. So a night to celebrate Evan Mobley asserting himself, and yet another Eurostep, by the way. The end of the first half saw Evan Mobley take it coast to coast and do the same thing that he did to Joel Embiid yet again. He is starting to close the gap between the early season surges from Jalen Green, who in his last four games leads all sophomores in scoring at nearly 23 points a game, and Franz Wagner, who we got to see tonight. While he did pad the stats a bit, he had a a very good fourth quarter as he scored 14 points, which made his line overall very respectable, 16 points. But he was basically skunked up until that fourth quarter when we kind of let our foot off the gas. That's when you got to see him pad his numbers. But on the night, just a woeful shooting night from Franz Wagner, who was outshined by his brother Mo, both in violence and in performance, as Mo Wagner gave them 16 and 9, 
and did it on a much more efficient night. Six for 17 from Franz Wagner is not going to get it done. Now, Markel Fultz, this is our first real chance to see him as he's been back with the Orlando Magic in the lineup as of late. And I thought he equated himself uh, pretty well. Paolo Banquero came out of the gates hot, nine points in the first quarter, finished with a very serviceable line. He will get right back on track as the rookie of the year front runner, 22-5-4, and four, and just giving people fits throughout the course of the night. Even though Mobley spent a significant amount of time on him, he is one of those guys that you're just going to have to concede some points to. He has a whole lot of tools in his arsenal, and tonight he did pretty well for himself. Had a few offensive rebounds, paced out a decent effort, and what was a losing effort for the Orlando Magic. But unlike the last time we played them, significantly better guard play between Cole Anthony and Markel Fultz than the decimated team we saw earlier in the season, which was lining up Wagner at the two. And Terrence Ross was basically a no-show in that game, too, much like he was tonight. Now, not the best night from Darius Garland in terms of output, but I think most of us are probably just happy that he escaped without serious injury. He was lying on the floor for a while after catching yet another Aaron Elbow from Mo Wagner in the middle of the second half. And Mo Wagner had a bunch of moments where just a very physical player. There was one particular play with Kevin Love where he tried to tie up his arms underneath so that he would not be able to contest a shot or go up for a rebound. And Kevin Love was sick of it and just put him on his ass. They reviewed it for a possible flagrant foul. They did not side with the Orlando Magic and Mo Wagner there. It just was a common foul, but it it delighted me because he was playing extremely physical. There was a lot of gentle pushes in the back on rebound attempts from the Cavs, and try and try as he might, he had a very good night, 16 points on, I believe, 7 for 12 shooting. But Kevin Love, that was a satisfying moment to see the elder statesman deliver a blow that the Buckeyes could not to Michigan and the people who have gone through their program. Sit down, lie on the floor, Mo. It would have been nice to see a little more out of Karis LeVert as a way of sort of apologizing for his affiliation with the program. But I thought he had good energy out there tonight. And while the stats didn't necessarily come, it did feel like there was one point in the first half, early in the first half, where he got to the bucket, put it in with his left hand, and then just kind of looked down at it. It was reminiscent of Drew Gooden back in the day when he would hit some jump shots and he'd just start looking down at his hands like, what are these tools of destruction that I possess? I like that Karis LeVert is back. I like that Love's back. I think it will be a steadying presence. And Lamar, his shots weren't falling, but his three-point looks were okay. I somehow ended up on the feed of the Orlando Magic, and when he made his three-pointer, they said, this is a guy who can knock down shots. I don't know if they realized it was Lamar Stevens who had shot it, because also, bleeding through the broadcast, you could hear whether it was a coach for the Magic or just a super loud fan. And it was down on the end of the court where the Cavaliers' bench was, But when Okoro and Lamar Stevens would get the ball near the top of the key, you could just hear someone through the broadcast audio from the court mic screaming, go under, implying to go under on the screens and let them shoot it. So certainly, maybe that got in the psyche of some of the Cavaliers players because they did not shoot great from distance. But Lamar Stevens, two for four, was pretty damn good. If you look at the shot chart for the Cleveland Cavaliers after tonight, you're going to see a lot of red X's. But not from Lamar Stevens. He was pretty solid. It's just his overall shooting did not get it done. He missed a dunk where it was scary looking. Thought he might hyperextend his leg the way that he came down. But the confidence and the lack of hesitation to take shots when they gave them to him, that was there. And that's all I've been asking for from any of these wings. 
and I thought not only did Stevens look confident, but Okoro also looked reasonably confident. I don't care who gives it on a night-to-night basis. It's just nice not feeling like, okay, when we go to the second unit, the offense is going to grind to a halt. Kevin Love, it was very important in that third quarter run. He finished the third quarter just one point shy of a double-double, and in the fourth quarter, he made that happen, shipping in 11 points, 11 rebounds, and a key factor in stretching that lead to 20 points in the third quarter there. And seeing the story recently of Al Horford signing a two-year, $20 million extension, it got me thinking, does Kevin Love sign for more than that? Does he extend for less than that? Now, I'm going with the assumption. I'm not even going to entertain the possibility that Kevin Loves leaves. I don't think we would trade him this year. I think he's too important to our bench, not to mention all that he's given to the organization. But also, I think the more realistic route is for the Cavaliers to extend him at a much cheaper rate, keep him in the fold. It got me wondering what type of money we should expect from Kevin Love. Now, despite the fact he's in and out of the lineup, he's too productive when he is here that I would expect that he's going to be one of these guys who just signs on a very minimal deal to stay around. I, th- I still think he'll command a decent salary. Something in that mid-range level, somewhere between 8 and $12 million, that would be my guess. I would not be surprised to see him get slightly more than Al Horford. Maybe something in the $12 million a season range. Something similar to what we allegedly were offering Colin Sexton, but on a shorter-term basis. I don't think we'll see anything beyond two years because that just seems to be the type of deals that the older vets are signing, be it LeBron James's extension or Boyan Bogdanovich's extension. It seems like two years is the sweet spot of what teams are willing to commit. Perhaps it could be as low as $8 million if he's willing to kind of pay back the Cavaliers for their loyalty and all the massive near-max deals that they gave him, but I don't have any expectations of that. He had to suffer through a lot of losing to earn all that money, as gargantuan as those contracts must have been. And he's made a total reclamation of his legacy here in Cleveland with this last stretch. I would not be shocked in seeing the extension that Al Horford signed and knowing what's coming up for a guy like Brooke Lopez, who will probably sign something in the neighborhood of two for 32 or two for 34. I think it might be realistic to expect that Kevin Love ends up extending somewhere in the range of that 18 to $22 million range that is very similar to what we saw from Horford. Personally, this may be the bias of being a Cavalier fan. I think the fact he's slightly younger than Horford means he will get slightly more. And also, he's just been part of our team for so long now that uh, he is the elder statesman, and they may show him that respect. But um, anyway, moving forward, that's a conversation for next offseason or for whenever that transpires. Now, not the greatest outside shooting night. We got a ton of looks from the corner, and most of them did not fall. The Cavs shooting just 38% from three on a night where they took 42 threes. So not to say that that's an awful shooting night, but that was propped up by one guy primarily because Donovan Mitchell contributed seven of those three-pointers on 11 attempts. So you take him out of the mix, and we're, what, nine for 31, which would be pretty woeful. But overall, you have to like what the Cavs did here tonight because they finished the game with just 12 turnovers to 17 for the Magic and the Magic especially sloppy in the first half as they had 11 turnovers just during the course of that game. So what we saw was a ton of Mitchell in the first and third quarter, a giant spurt 
from Kevin Love in the third quarter and end-to-end Mobley, just asserting himself throughout the game for yet another incredible night on the heels of what has been a very good three or four game stretch in which the Cavs have won three of those games. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, where by the way, don't look now, but the Brooklyn Nets are thriving a bit. They've won seven of their last 10, including four in a row. The Toronto Raptors, behind seven turnovers from Scotty Barnes, have fallen yet again, second game in a row after getting trounced by the Pelicans to the Brooklyn Nets. A battle between two teams linked by trade rumors all summer as you got to see a lot of Scotty Barnes is untouchable, Kevin Durant is washed. And while Kevin Durant didn't really have to do a ton tonight because Kyrie Irving was just incredible, yet another efficient game from him, approaching numbers of a you know low-scoring triple-double, but didn't quite get there. Just a very good win for the Nets because we got to see Scotty Barnes just take a big old platter of basketballs and hand it to the other team and watch them put it away. And they did that all despite the fact that Toronto rallied at the end, looked like they might actually make it close, but no, sir, they are now a 500 ball club. We are sitting at 15 and eight, tied basically in wins for second in the Eastern Conference, but we've played more games than the Bucks, so a full game back on them in the standings. Starting to get a little bit of breathing room because the Pacers coming off a loss, they're 12 and nine, and then behind them, the Hawks, the Sixers, the Nets, the Raptors, the Heat, all five of those teams that sit between five and nine in the standings, I think a lot of people thought that those were all teams that had the capability of finishing ahead of the Cavaliers. But the Cavaliers, they will probably finish with wins in the mid-50s. And Vegas was projecting them around 47 and a half. But as it stands now, with a quarter of the season in the books, for them to be sitting with 15 wins in their first 23 games, that's pretty incredible. I love what the Cavaliers have done at home. I love that they're starting to get a lot of the rotation players healthier again. Dean Wade left in the third quarter. When we came out after halftime, Mamadi Diakite got the start, and Dean Wade had struggled, so I thought perhaps that was something relating to his play, but then the reports came out that he has been struggling through some shoulder pain, so he was shut down for the night, and the Cavaliers managed to string together an excellent third quarter anyway, so in the end, It didn't matter, but something to keep an eye on as we move forward here. So, fingers crossed, Jared Allen is back before we take on the Lakers next week. I think we can get through this Knicks game without him, but a lot more ahead. Now, this was just meant to be a very short podcast. I'm going to do more of a, I guess, quarter season recap here uh, as we get into early next week. But since there's another Knicks game on the horizon, this was just more or less meant to be a look at what transpired tonight. And I will have a more full, robust podcast following the Knicks game. But thank you to anyone who checked out this episode of the Fear the Fro podcast. My name is Bob Schmidt. I'm the voice of Fox Sports Radio. I am a lifelong Cavs fan. And if you found this podcast for the first time, you have not heard it before, please consider subscribing, consider liking, consider reviewing. I appreciate all those things. On to yet another victory. Another Fear the Fro pod coming soon. Liver, live the Mobley, This has been Fear the Fro. If you like the show, subscribe and rate wherever you listen. Our guy, Bob Schmidt, always gets a reaction out of it. Join us next time for more Cavs and NBA coverage.